This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. And I'm Mon Glash and that's Lyle Southwell and we're in the studio and this is Faith FM breakfast show. It is. I'm waiting for the next clue for this quiz. I haven't got the foggiest idea. I can't believe idea. you haven't got this. I can't believe no idea. all this I'm time, blanked. all I had to do was pull this card, and this would be the one that stumped you. Okay. Ooh, almost just gave it away. Yeah, I know. This should be really obvious. Yeah, I think you're going to kick yourself when you figure it out. I know I'm going to kick myself. Oh, do you know what? Yeah, this, you're going to get it now. You're okay, going to get it right. now. It's about time I got it. It's fourth yeah. clue. Yeah, it's the second last clue. Think of it that way, too. And the last two clues are basically the same thing, just different wording. What city am I? Jesus' first miracle occurred in this city. Oh, come on. Because <laughs> oh, that was the one I was going to write down last time. But you just skipped before it. You even, uh-huh. Before you even read the clue, I thought, nah, I'll wait for her to write uh-huh. the clue, to read the clue. And it said well, Jesus' Jesus' second miracle was there. I'm like, what? His second and what his other city miracle. could it possibly be? <laughs> Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. You can get yourself that a copy of The Breakfast just... Book by Sue Rad. See, I think we should fire him on for just being too sneaky. What? Never. Way too sneaky here on Faith FM. Jesus' second miracle. Come on, what kind of a clue is that? It's Jesus' true, first miracle happened. took place there as well. Yeah, See, well, the implication we know that with now. that. We the implication know that now. was. The implication there's, no, was there's nothing is implied. Uh, you just created implications in your uh, mind. When you assume, you know what happens, right? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, uh, if you think you know the answer. And give yeah, us a call and tell us if you know the you answer long before Lyle did. All right, so let's get on with our Bible study today, part of the 20-minute movement, 20 million people studying the same passage of the Bible, and we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Mon, so if you want to flick over there real quick, we have a great passage here to receive to, to study. And while we're turning there, let me ask you this question. Uh, have you ever heard the cliché going the second mile? Go the extra mile. Go yes. the extra mile. Yes, I have heard Go that Go the one. extra yeah. mile. Uh, what about giving the shirt off your back? Yes, heard that one. Uh, what about turning the other cheek? Mm-hmm. So that, that's in common, common usage in our language today. Yes, yeah. Did you know that all of these came from the Sermon on the Mount? Are you for serious? I am for serious. We're going to read all about it and we're going to actually get the historical context behind what is going on with it uh, as we work our way through this particular passage right here. Oh, wow. Okay, go on. All right, so start for us in chapter 5, verse 38. Verse 38. This is how Jesus um, outlines our response to evil. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Okay, so there you go. Turn the other cheek Mm, right there. Okay. Do you reckon that actually works? In real life, does that actually work? I can't say I've ever really been... I mean, I got slapped once by this girl in primary school, but since then, no slappings. And what happened? Um, I was just so stunned that I just stood there. Yep. <laughs> I think because we weren't having a brawl, she just suddenly snapped. And it was just really weird. Like We were just like... There was a bunch of us sitting around a fire having a conversation, 
and she just got really irate and nobody realized and she suddenly snapped and turned around and slapped me. <laughs> I was really shocked. Maybe she's had a little think about you. <laughs> anyway. A bit of heart searching I wasn't on this even moment. talking to her. I was talking to my bestie. My bestie was standing next to me and something that something must have like just Triggered her. provoked it. Yeah. yeah. It's not really <laughs> anyway. a normal reaction though, is it? No, it's not normal. Yeah. That's not, yeah, but I, I was too stunned to offer my other cheek, I have to admit. I was just like, what just happened? <laughs> Is that the only time you've ever been physically attacked? Uh, no, but that's the only time I've ever been slapped. Yeah. And I think the, the context here refers to more than just a slap. You know, if it's a closed fist, you're allowed to punch back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, it's not exactly what it's saying. The Bible's saying turn the other cheek. You know, I kind of wonder about this one in relationship to um, some Christian athletes like, say, the Reverend um, George Foreman. Okay. I wonder how he'd get on if he actually followed what uh, Matthew chapter five says right here. Yeah, maybe you should. You know who he? You know what sport he? Um, I'm just thinking in? like barbecues and grills. George Foreman. No, he's a very famous boxer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that ends his career. Don't know that he'd get too far <laughs> if he actually put this into practice right here. Look, in this. I think this verse sounds nice, but I do have some issue with it because, like you've just pointed, like it's not the only time that I've been uh, physically attacked, and the other time was uh, by a male. And, like, am I just supposed to stand there and be like, okay, have another go? Oh, good point. Good question. Yeah. Like, are you just supposed to let yourself be... Well, you've just read what the Bible abused? says. So what what uh, what should you do in that situation? I'm really hoping that this Bible verse means more than just a, just a surface value. I'm hoping there's more to this than just... It just means physically let yourself be beaten up. Or in some situations let yourself be, like, um, sexually assaulted. Okay, okay. So, yep, you want to find an excuse to get around what the Bible says? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we I are just, going to find some... I some, just don't believe a God would there is a it. There is a flip side to this, mm-hmm. and we're going to look at the flip side um, before we finish uh, reading this particular passage. But let's read on. Let's read what else okay, it says. Okay, um, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gift for a mile, carry it two miles. Okay, so let's stop there for a moment. Uh, first of all, the shirt off your back right there. If, mm-hmm. you, if someone sues you in court and they try to take the shirt off your back, what do you do? Give them your coat as well. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if a soldier compels you to go one mile. You ever had this happen, Mon? Yeah, neither of these really, no. <laughs> okay, so it's not uncommon. We, we live in a very lit- litigious, litigious whatever society. Um, there's only one society in the world that is that is more litigious than litigated than ours, and that is the United States. You, basically, people taking to, everyone to court over every last little thing. But you just don't hear of people like sending their coat through the post about hey, you took the shirt off my back, but you know what? Here's my coat too. <laughs> like, it no, seems you don't. Odd. It does. No one does that. No. No. What do you think would happen if somebody sued you for something that you were innocent for and you said, look, I'm not going to go with that. Let's settle this out of court and I'll give you more than you're asking. You would look really guilty. You would look crazy guilty. Okay. That's what happens anytime you hear like of some sort of public figure, some sort of politician or celebrity who's paid someone out of court, they've settled it out of court. You're like, oh, hush money. Mm-hmm. They're guilty. They didn't want to have the smear on their record, and so they've coughed up a lot of cash to silence this person. Okay. Uh, 
some circumstances that might be the case. In other mm-hmm. circumstances, it might not be. Let's think about some circumstances where turning the other cheek actually worked really, really well. Okay. Martin Luther King. Yep. Okay, so Martin Luther King um, obviously did the, you know, instigated and um, was the main driving force behind the um, um, the movement during the, what was it, the 1960s to bring equality to African Americans mm-hmm. in the United States, to get rid of segregation, uh, to reduce racism. Of course, America continues to be a, a pretty volatile. Uh, volatile hotbed of racism, but he did a tremendous amount to bring that to an end. He paid for it with his life. But his entire campaign was a campaign of non-violent resistance. Mm-hmm. So he resisted the status quo, he resisted the government, but uh, he refused to use violence of any type, of any form. And there were many times when the African Americans were severely provoked. Uh, there were murders, there were lynchings, there were police officers who would just walk into you know a uh, a business and shoot a black man dead. Um, there were mobs, large mobs of people that would attack uh, black you know American protesters, and once again you'd have these protesters that would be being killed. And Martin Luther King steadfastly refused to promote any kind of violence in response at all. His protesters always went under his instruction. They would go unarmed and they would not respond with violence when they were attacked. Really? Absolutely. Never. It was, it was all 100% based on non-violent protest. I mean, that just obviously makes them look like the bigger person. And the, okay, so and let's, let's, if, if you actually look at what happened in the United States um, through that, and this is one of the reasons why he became such a hero because if he'd have fought back and if he'd have marshaled the African Americans who were, you know, 10% of the population, so a small percentage of the population, and they had gone to war, they'd taken up arms, he would have been seen as a. Um, a warmonger. A warmonger, yeah. a rebel leader, um, you know, all of these kind of things. But he wasn't. He became a great hero. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And I think the way that he went about it definitely won people to the cause, like won white people over to the to the cause. Whereas I think if they just had an uprising and started a war, like you don't win people with a war. No, but the, 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 the white people just would have fought back. And, they, yeah. and, 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 and basically the white people the white who were promoting white supremacism would have said, see, yeah. we told you so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to we need to crush this people group. What it did was that every single time a black person in the South was murdered, every single time the hospitals were full of black people who had been beaten up, um, lynched or nearly murdered, every single time that happened, decent human beings were like, "This is not right." Yeah, this is not right. Mm-hmm. And what he was doing was he was winning the war of hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. And that's how he actually won. And so there's a very, very powerful argument right there. And basically, he was basing his entire campaign off this this, this, this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. 
I didn't know that he had the, he had that basis, but that's yeah. incredible. No, he's a very, uh, very, very religious man. Um, anyway, there's a uh, passage here that I was just looking for. Um, yeah, a listener has sent this verse in for us to read, and it comes from Psalms 69, verse 4. Let me see what it says. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Okay, this is a psalm of David. Yeah, I was going to say this would be a psalm of David. He had more enemies than you could poke a stick at. Um, <clears throat> they are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. So he's given back something he didn't even steal. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an interesting way of responding, isn't it? That's very and and this is, I think, this is significant when you actually look at this principle being outlined by David, because he did have lots of enemies mm-hmm. throughout his life. He was a man of war. But where he good, he avoided war. He was not a warmonger. He was not someone who sought out war. He wasn't one of a, a bloodlusting warrior who just could not live without being in a war zone. He avoided it where he could. And here he's talking about, you know, I've got all of these enemies that are lined up against me. Enemies, enemies, enemies everywhere. And they're, you know, I've got, they've got this against me. They've got that against me. They've got something else against me. He's like, you know what? I gave back where I didn't even take. He sought peace instead of war. And the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Okay, so let's, um, let's take that principle and go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Let's read about what it says over here. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to go this time to verse 23 and 24. Matthew 5 verse 23 and 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Okay, I want you to think about this one as well. Why would you bring a sacrifice to the temple? Because you've sinned. Because you've sinned. So you go to God to ask forgiveness. When you get there, what do you remember? That you have beef with someone. Ah, no. Read that one again. And you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. So they have beef with you. They have a beef with you. Okay. Okay, so this is the situation. You come to God to ask for forgiveness and you suddenly realize that someone has a beef with you. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Does the Bible say that that is a legitimate beef in this passage? Doesn't really specify at all. Doesn't specify no. at all. So it might be a legitimate beef. Mm-hmm. It might not be. Have you ever had someone have a beef with you and it's completely not legitimate? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We all have that. Mm-hmm. We all have that. So then what does the Bible say that we are to do? And let's, okay, if it's a legitimate beef, then yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. Just go and make it right. Yep. Sort it out. Deal with it. If you've stolen from them, pay it back. Mm-hmm. If you have said the wrong thing about them, apologize, publish an open letter, um, do what you can to get rid of it. You're never going to be able to get those words back, but you can do what you can. Yeah. Okay, but what about if it's not a legitimate beef? What about if it's an entirely illegitimate beef? It still says to go make peace. That'd be a bit tough, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Ugh. Having a... Well, it's not so much eating humble pie, but... No, it's not even eating yeah, humble pie. Yeah. It's, 
It's different, isn't it? It's just having to be the bigger person. It's being the bigger person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's the key right here. And I think this is the thing that Jesus is really trying to illustrate right through this passage is be the bigger person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Bible says, you know, go away and make things right. All right. So let's say that this person thinks you have wronged them, but you haven't. Mm-hmm. What do you do? How do you respond to that? I mean, you can argue your point, but it's not, like some people are just never going to believe it. Arguing your point is is not going to solve it. Yeah, just apologize. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what it is, and that's what Psalm sixty nine is actually talking about, where he's like, you know, "I've paid back even when I didn't take anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made apology when even when I didn't do anything wrong, because you can stick to your guns and you can be right." But that doesn't make the world a better place necessarily. It doesn't make you a bigger person. It doesn't make um, the universe happier. It's an important principle that when we're making things right, sometimes we need to apologize even when we didn't do anything wrong. And that can be really hard for some people to swallow. It's tough. Yeah. You know, the Sermon, on the, Mount, pride. the Sermon on the Mount is seen as Jesus' manifesto. Mm-hmm. And when secular people talk about Jesus, and often what I find is when I meet people in the community, they'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, we, 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 we're not religious, and you know, we're we're not into Christianity and that kind of stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, what about Jesus? Oh no, Jesus was good. We like, you know, we like Jesus. Pretty much everybody likes Jesus, and the reason they like Jesus is because of what Jesus has to say, primarily in the Sermon on the Mount. They love his manifesto." Mm. But Jesus' manifesto here is actually really tough. It is really hard. And while people out there like, yeah, yeah, this is really good. This is something we should all aspire to. There's like no way in a million years they're ever going to put it into practice themselves. Um, it's it's you know it's something that uh, they they're like, yeah, no, nah, that that's 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 just going too far. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about non violent resistance and being the bigger person, then um, it's it's an area where very, very few have the courage to actually do that. But if we compare, say, for instance, um, the non-violent resistance of Martin Luther King with, say, the opposite. Let's go the opposite. Let's think um, about IS. Okay. IS wants to establish their own... Uh, Islamic State. Mm-hmm. And they took the complete opposite approach. So they had violent resistance. They had people around the world in different parts of the world who committed terrorist acts on their behalf. And what did that do for them? Oh, it was reviled and repulsed people. The whole world just hated, hated them. them. So Martin Luther King is pretty much revered by everybody except the crackpot white supremacists as being a great historical figure. Mm. He had his faults. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, of course. And we could, you know, who doesn't? Mm-hmm. I have mine. You have yours, mm-hmm. etc. Um, and so the guy was not without fault by any stretch of the imagination. But he is universally recognised. You know, amongst other, you know, big leaders like uh, Mahatma Gandhi and Nelson Mandela, Nelson Mandela mm-hmm. as being um, a great hero of his cause. Mm-hmm. And. This was because of his non-violent aggression. And even you look at Nelson Mandela, he started out with violent aggression. Yeah, he did, yeah. 
But when he came out of that, and when he had a he had a second chance and a second opportunity, did he go back there? No. No, he did not. He completely rejected his past tactics, um, and as a result of that, was able to do great things in South Africa that nobody's ever been able to really yeah he, keep up with. Ever he since. managed to dislodge apartheid with very little bloodshed whatsoever. Yeah, in a very volatile, extremely volatile society, mm-hmm. incredibly volatile society, and you can sort of see it's you know South Africa has pretty much gone downhill since then. Yeah, yeah, since Mandela left. Yeah. Um, so there's some important lessons here and some really great contrast. When we come back, we're going to talk about some uh, biblical examples. But you know, Martin Luther King and others are a uh, a great example of in, in modern, more modern times of how this principle actually works and works really well. This is Wild Atkins with Side by Side. Peace, it don't come easy, love, it don't come free Martin Luther King said, Lord, I have a dream Boys and girls of every color walking side by side Brother, sister, come on, turn that darkness into light Born into the heart of Dixie Land, holy rollers in the hills of Birmingham. All those summers spent just chasing lightning bugs by night. Heavy stillness in the heat of August and July. Lord, a wind was stirring from the east to west Set my heart a-blazing deep down in my chest And I heard that preacher crying out from 16th Street Till we all have freedom, there is no man truly free
shall overcome one day. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe one day we shall overcome. That was Wilder Atkins with Side by Side. Don't think our producer could have picked a better song for what we were talking about just now. Anyway, back with our quiz. What have you got for us, Mon? One more clue I think we've got left. Yes, the most useful homemade clues. 1-800-324-843. One of the best prizes we've ever had and nobody is getting it. Uh, what city am I? This is where Jesus turned the water into wine. Mm. Mm, give us a call. I have another great clue. No, you can save it for next time, Lyle Southwell. I just said with homemade clues next. I didn't say homemade clues now. I said homemade clues next. Actually, no, my clue was not a clue. Oh, let's come well, up with another one. There you good go. thing I didn't spit it out. Yeah, All right. So uh, we were talking about uh, nonviolent resistance. The Bible here speaks about, and it says, where do we get up to? Whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Yours says, if a soldier compels you to go a mile, go a second mile. So the Bible talks about doing going the second mile here. We need to understand what's going on because most of us have probably not been had a soldier walk up to us and say, hey, can you walk with me for a mile? Yeah, no, definitely not. Never had that happen. The law was throughout the Roman Empire that any Roman soldier, any member of the legions, could ask a civilian to carry his equipment for one mile. Okay. And so basically from the Roman perspective, uh, as you, when when you when you take your armies into the field, uh, whether it is for combat or you know they were basically the police force as well, whatever it might be, you had a lot of Roman soldiers that would be moving backwards and forwards through the um, through the empire. Of course, they had to be looked after, they had to be fed, uh, they had to be housed, all of that kind of thing. And so, a lot of the a lot of the resources that they required for that they would just draw from the population that they were traveling through. And one of the laws was that if you, if the soldier had a lot of gear to carry, and they all had a lot of gear to carry, armor was very heavy. You didn't wear armor unless you were on active duty or going into combat because it was heavy and miserable. You would carry it, plus you had to carry your bedding, plus you had to carry your food, plus you had to carry... Um, you know all of your equipment, and so that there's a lot of weight there. You know, you're looking mm. at like a hundred kilos worth of weight that an average soldier would carry. And if he's got to do twenty miles in a day, then it was his right as a Roman soldier to be able to ask any civilian to carry his gear for him. But the Roman Empire also wanted to win hearts and minds, and so they put a limit on it. You cannot oppress conquered nations too much. Yeah, you can only make them go one mile. And then you've got to find somebody else. That's pretty reasonable. Yeah, it seems fair. Yeah, and from a from a Roman perspective, from a Jewish perspective, they are God's chosen people. Mm. Romans are filthy dogs. Uh, Romans are Gentiles. They won't touch a Roman. They won't eat with a Roman. They won't go under the roof of a Roman. Um, Romans are their oppressors, and so you can imagine how they felt when a Roman walked up to them and said, "You're my slave. Carry this for a mile." It would be really dehumanizing, wouldn't it? It's so so stupid because as you were describing the system, I was like, "This is great because this should this could have been something that would have brought two cultures together." Because if you're having to walk a mile with a soldier, you can like get to know them, have and a bit have of a conversation. Chat. Friends would have been made left, right, and center, but instead, the Jews adopted this like this. 
oh, this attitude, attitude of exclusivity. Yeah, yeah, and then just ruin that potential, and instead they let it grate on them and grind on them. And yeah, because other nations, other empires, would be Romans, like, "Here's my gear, carry it until you drop." And yeah. if you die on the way, I really couldn't care less. Yeah, and if the Romans are defending you as part of their country, then wouldn't you be happy for them? I'm mean, happy to do that for them. They weren't and seen then, as defenders; they were seen as oppressors. Yeah, but I mean, if some other invading army came along, the Romans would have gone out to fight. Um, but also, like, adopting that attitude of not wanting to do it because you think you're superior would only goad the Romans to laugh at you because they made you do it. Okay, if but they had had a, all right, so let's, let's, attitude. let's say that a Roman walks up to you, mm-hmm. first century, and says, Mon, you're my slave for the next mile. I, look, I'm a curious bot. I would have asked you more kinds of questions. So, like, what, what, what battles have you been in? You know, that kind of thing. But if, if I was raised a Jew to hate but it the would Romans... Be a bit, it'd be a bit dehumanizing to be just made a slave at the whim of a Roman soldier. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, but I want you to think about this because Jesus says, Jesus says if they, if they come up to you and do that... Go the second mile. Right. Okay. I think, now, the, I think the only dehumanizing part of it is the fact that the Jews have got this attitude. Because if they had the attitude, you know what, this person goes out to fight for where I live, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Here's the, here's the key. Because, it, because of their attitude and because where they were, that would have been definitely dehumanizing for them, mm-hmm. and particularly because of their culture having come out of slavery um, in the past, and this is carried down right. through all these chip generations, on chip mm-hmm. on their shoulder, or that they're, they're born that way with we are free from slavery and now they're in slavery. Mm-hmm. There would have been a very dehumanizing aspect to it. But what happens when you carry the soldier's equipment for an extra mile? What message are you sending? You are sending in the clearest possible message, I'm not your slave. Yeah. You didn't force me to do this. I'm doing it of my own volition. I'm not your slave. Mm hmm. And so it's a way of non-violent resistance. Uh, you see, yeah, I do. it's powerful, isn't it? It's very powerful. Jesus, Jesus was he—he he had it sorted. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing, and he's like, okay, you want to resist against the Romans? Here's how you do it: carry their gear for an extra mile, mm-hmm. because by doing so, you are proclaiming loud and clear, "I'm not your slave. I have choice." I have choice, mm-hmm. and I'm going to exercise my choice. And then, of course, everything that you were talking about, Mon, comes into play. Have a conversation. Get to know them because it's when you have a conversation with somebody and you get to know somebody that barriers are broken down. Yeah. You know, I, I find um, a lot of tension in our world between various people groups, and, of course, you know, there's a lot of tension between Australians and Islam at the moment. Particularly mm-hmm. you see that in the United States on a, on a heightened level, that kind of thing, because of you know, the trouble that there is in the Middle East and other you know, parts of the world like that and various terrorist attacks that have taken place and so forth. The greatest thing that an Australian can do is actually get to know somebody who is a Muslim. Make friends with them. Get to understand them. Find out where they're coming from. Listen to what they have to say. Ask them questions. Hear their story. Invite them around for a meal. Because that is how you can actually make an informed decision. Now, at the end of that meal, you might not change your mind. You might say, no, this is a terrible religion. Don't want anything to do with it. Fine. But, but until you have done so, you have no right to be out there you know, attacking that person or attacking their religion or you know, going um, hard against them or you know, otherwise in any way, shape or form. Something we all need to uh, put into practice in our lives every day. There is a story in the Bible 
about a small city by the name of Dothan. Okay. Do you remember the name? Of, do you remember this story? I don't. Dothan was a small city. It was, fortunately, a walled city, and okay. it was the home of Elisha. The Syrian army had a major problem because every time they loved to raid Israel, they were they had they had a lot of raiding force, and they loved to raid across the border into Israel. Had a major problem because every time they did a border raid, the Israelite army would be waiting for them and ambush them. And it happened again and again and again and again until the Syrian king said, who is the traitor in my camp that is leaking this to the king of Israel? And they're like, there's no traitor in your camp. There's Elisha down at Dothan. He tells, he tells the king of Israel what you think about in your bedchamber. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, right, we're going to attack Dothan. So he laid siege to Dothan. So they get up in the morning and, then, and this tiny little town with a wall around it is uh, surrounded by Syrians which freaks everybody out, understandably so. And then Elisha's like, no, nah, it's okay. There's, there's more on our side. Look at all the angels out there. And they were all struck blind. So then Elisha goes outside the city. All of the Syrians are blind. He says, I will lead you where you want to go. He leads them into the city of Samaria and their sight comes back. And, and the, king of, the king is like, what shall I do? Shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he's like, no, feed them. And they fed them, and it ended the war. It brought peace. That's what we need to be. We need to be peacemakers. This is the Bold Brothers with Let Your Light Shine. Can you feel it rising up like a tide Rolling over me and you Oh, it's a joy, and it's a light you can't hide. Yeah, and why would you want to? It's a feeling that puts a smile on your face, even on a rainy day. Mm, It's hard to explain it, just what I'm feeling today. But I know I want to give it away. We got to share some joy, some peace, some hope now. It's up to me and you to tell the whole wide world that Jesus is the way. Come on, people, what you gonna do? Let your little light shine. Cause it's the joy of Jesus. to you It's the joy of Jesus coming through. You 
Fantastic food, fun, friends, and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in, and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big, iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Well, the Bible tells us about a man who ruled Babylon and all its land. Around the city he built a wall and declared that Babylon would never fall. He had concubines and wives, he called his Babylon paradise. On his throne he drank and ate, but for Belshazzar it was getting late. For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His houses were built upon the sand. And drank their wine and praised the false gods of his time All holy things they scorned and mocked But suddenly all their mocking stopped For on the wall there appeared a hand Nothing else, there was no man In blood the hand began to write And Belshazzar couldn't hide his pride For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting 
His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His houses were built upon the sand. Well, no one around could understand what was written by the mystic hand. Belshazzar tried but couldn't find a man who could give him peace of mind. But Daniel the prophet, the man of God, he saw the writing on the wall in blood. Belshazzar asked him what it said, and Daniel turned to the wall and read. My friend, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided, it can't stand. You're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your houses are built upon the sand. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. We've got a mouthful of food here. Lyle and I are having a good old yarn about the seven last plagues. Lyle, we're going to die. We're going to die, Lyle. Seven last plagues are coming. Yep, okay, so seven last plagues. We need to... Uh we need to figure out what so these funny. are all about. Do you know what's so funny about you, Lyle? What? Even though your microphone is on, you can't physically bring yourself to talk until you've put your headphones on. It's like you think the microphone's not going to work until you got the headphones on. I talk on. without my headphones on no, sometimes. No, you never do. I've noticed this about you. <laughs> so I can start talking without my headset and then just find my headset and put it on mid-sentence and you're like, <laughs> headset, okay, now I can talk. <laughs> it's very cute. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's go on with the question of the day before we run out of time. It's a really, really good question just I, came I in. I thought you wanted to do your homemade, um, your homemade clue. No, I want to do this question. Give okay. us a quad. Okay. Just hit us with it. Yeah, yeah. Let me get the camera up so we can have a recording of you doing this. Okay. You might be able to do the camera. Read the Where's your at the pretty same face? Time. There's your pretty face. And pressing record. Question of the day today, Lyle, is this: uh, Once Martin Luther King's cause was won, there was no ideology or retribution or pay- payback. Yet we attribute the seven last plagues poured out on the wicked to God as being retribution and payback. Doesn't this confuse people? Uh, if you look at the seven last plagues as being retribution and payback by God, that would be incredibly confusing. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what is the purpose for the seven last plagues? The seven last plagues are poured out on people who are lost and who cannot be saved. So what's the actual purpose there? Is it going to cause anybody else to be saved? No, because they're already lost. You can't save people during this particular uh, time period. And so we need to understand God's purpose in the seven last plagues. God's purpose in the seven last plagues is not revenge. It is not retribution. God's purpose in the seven last plagues is actually a purpose of love. Let's consider what these uh, plagues are all about. And let me let me turn over to Revelation chapter sixteen, and I'll illustrate this for you right there. Let's consider the circumstances that surround the seven last plagues. What has happened is this: in Revelation chapter fifteen, the Bible says that the temple was filled with smoke. This is verse eight from the glory of God and from His power, so that no man was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. The temple in heaven is where salvation takes place. And so before the plagues are poured out, the Bible is crystal clear that salvation and the opportunity thereof has come to an end. Probation has been closed because everyone on earth has made their final decision either for Christ or against him. It's not some you know, random date that God just throws out there. Everybody's made their final decision. God knows this. 
because God can read people's hearts and minds. And so okay, God comes along and says, well, everyone's made their final decision. We have closed salvation. Now we're going to come back to planet Earth and we're going to end the world and take the righteous to heaven. The universe who is looking on are going to see people at this time period who are lost that they were expecting to be saved because they saw them living good lives, but because they can't read their heart, they don't know what's going on on the inside. They don't see the sins of the heart. They don't see the rebellion in their heart against God. And so this leaves uh, an environment that is wide open for speculation, like, is God really doing the right thing here? There's thousands, maybe millions of people that we thought should have been saved, and suddenly they've been lost. God is someone who will never leave a question mark in anyone's mind. And if you want to see people turning to God, all you have to have is a disaster. You have a national disaster, the churches are full, everybody turns to God, uh, no no atheist in foxholes, you know, the, the famous saying, etc., etc. God's purpose in the seven last plagues is to demonstrate that there is absolutely nothing that can be done to turn anyone back to God and that people who have been living righteous lives on the outside are not necessarily righteous people, and that by their actions they will demonstrate this when things get tough because they have the opposite uh, reaction to righteous people when things get tough. The Bible says in Revelation 16 verse 9, they were scorched with heat, they blasphemed the name of God which have power over these plagues and they did not repent to give him glory. That's the key verse in Revelation chapter 16, because what it is showing is that they themselves are demonstrating their lostness. So you've got people who have been living a very righteous life, a very holy life. The universe is expecting to see them saved. And here, when things go bad, rather than having a Christian response, they turn around and they blaspheme God and God's character. And God's there decision was a man, is justified. They called him Jesus. Walked the shores of Galilee. Healed the sick and calmed the waters. Made the blinded eye to see. Raised the dead and cleansed the leper. Had the power to set men free. But best of all, he went to Calvary.
just like my Lord. I want to help, help my neighbor, my fellow man. Or him labor. I want to spread. I want my Lord's holy word to spread His word. I want to sing. I want to sing. I want to shout to heal the world. I want to tell. I want to tell the world about His love. I want to walk, walk like Jesus. I want to talk, talk like Jesus. I want to be. I want to be just like my Lord. Walk like Jesus. Talk like Jesus. I want to be just like my Lord. I want to help my neighbor or him labor. I want to spread. I want my Lord's holy word to spread His word. I want to sing. I want to shout to heal the world. I want to tell. I want to tell the world about His love. I want to walk like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to be. I want to be just like my Lord. Jesus. I want to talk, talk like Jesus. I want to be, I want to be, I want, I want to, to be just like my Lord. What a great song. I want to be just like my Lord and may that be the aim of every single one of us today. May we desire to be just like Jesus Christ. Amen. And I've got a giveaway that can help you with just that, Lyle. Uh, but first of all, congratulations to Helen Andrews from Greenpoint in New South Wales for correctly answering the quiz. Ah, yeah, someone the got there. The C was... Kana. Kana. Good on you. You got a copy of The Breakfast Book by Sue Rad heading your way. I wonder whether that was Nathaniel's wedding that Jesus went to. Oh, Mabes. Who knows? That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Like a little Easter egg in the Bible that we didn't know about. Okay. I'm going to ask when I get to heaven. Who's wedding? Who's wedding? On the list of questions. Because Jesus and all of his disciples were there. They were all yeah. invited. Yeah, it was a big big shebang. So what kind of a wedding do you have where everybody knows all of those 12 people? Must be Nathan's. Mm. Anyway, mm. we have a giveaway right now. Just be the first person to call through on 1-800-FAITH-FM. And you can snap up a copy of As Light Lingers, Basking in the Word of God. Have you read this, Lyle? No. So many people are a huge fan of these books. This has just come out recently. It's by Nina Atchison, and uh, who is a teacher and a writer, a speaker, uh, a mother, a family woman, and a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, and this book is all about. Um, it's a devotional book, so it's devotional reading. So you can read this uh, bit by bit every day uh, as part of your um, your walk with God, growing closer with God. So give us a call now, as light lingers, basking in the Word of God. 1-800-324-843. First person through gets this totally for free. And, of course, our number, uh, if you want to send it through a text message, is 0491-064-669. You can ask questions. Uh, you can ask us how to learn more about the Bible. We can send definitely you, set you up with Bible studies. Send in your question of the day. Yes, indeed. That's how, yeah, Tell that's us what you're thankful for. You can go to faithfm.com.au if you would like to submit a longer question. You know, we, via get, email. we get we get more questions of the day than we get what what people are thankful for. Well, there's a bit of a commentary on human nature. Yeah, I think that we need to change human nature. Yeah, well, tell us what you're grateful for. We'd love to hear it. One hundred faithfm. sons and daughters 
Sound, the sound of the Father. 